This is the PowerShell Podcast, the podcast for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. You might just learn something. I think you'll enjoy it. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I am the bright star of the podcast, Jordan. And with me is the extremely late Andrew Pla. That's me. You're our North Star, man. We're just following you to, to go home. Yeah, you were late enough for those that are watching on YouTube. You'll notice that Andrew's camera feed actually comes in third because he was not on time. Listen, I have children. And, you know, sometimes summer camp takes a while. You know, it is what it is. But you're... Enough of the public of shaming. No, yeah. no. Now we're public surprising okay how early did you wake up today to make this amazing podcast happen my man i did not wake up any earlier than i do every work day well is well, 5 15 that's pretty early but and to be fair you were prepping and in the room early so kudos to you for making this happen but jordan there's a big announcement this week man definitely a heads up we want to give our people with ad environments not azure ad but regular ad yeah, so shout out to Sam Erdy, part of the PowerShell community, who shared some code to um, check for accounts in AD that have a null value for MSDS-supported encryption types, because um, there's a change in behavior that can break things. So uh, he has a little PowerShell code. It'll be in show notes. Link to his tweet will be in the show notes as well. Give him a follow. He's always posting some stuff. He's one of my preferred people that I'm seeing uh, share things about Twitter these days. Pretty relevant, hands-on stuff. Preferred people, that's high praise. Yeah, that's right. right. So, Well, no, no one's here to listen to us. Oh. I'm, I, I'm boring, and, and you're, you're frantic. Let's bring in the reason people join us. A first-time speaker, which makes him already a legend, uh, Emrys McAnally. Hopefully I got that right. You, you mentioned that people get that one wrong along, so I, I th- I'm, I'm going to say I crushed it. Yeah, so Emrys McAnally. McAnally. So ah, crushed it. <laughs> no. It's all right. That's, that's, no, but thanks for joining us. Absolutely. This is fantastic. So you spoke at the PSConf EU. This is your being a first-time speaker? Yeah, exactly. So I've been an attendee at the PSConf since 2019. Great conference. Really love it bonded with all the people and just after the last PSConf in Vienna last year, uh, Gail from the PSConf team, uh, team um, introduced the mentorship program. So basically they were looking for first time speakers and they often go through the process of writing abstract, what to expect. And uh, so I had uh, supporters asking me, do it, submit the talk, go to that uh, um, Go to that, go through that mentorship program, and uh, see if you can get in. And that's what I did. And my talks were accepted. Uh, I was really nervous. I didn't really think I had the stuff to get it done. Um, but then, fifth of January, I had an email in my inbox saying your talks have been accepted. So I was thinking wow. of winging it and say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm too afraid. I'm too scared of speaking in front of people because it's something I don't feel comfortable with uh, at all. Uh, but my wife said, you have to do it. You want to do it. Just do it. And then I said, okay, and started preparation. Oh, 
I love the idea of the mentorship program because we always talk about how PowerShell makes things like main thing that they knock down barriers to make progressing easier. And it sounds like they've even done that for speaking now, which is pro- probably necessary because we don't we don't get a lot of social people in in the IT field. Yes, so the mentorship program just took away um, lots of questions you had. They answered the questions. They told us how abstract should look like, what they expect from a speaker, um, what should be content of the abstract, uh, what the demo, what the speak should look like in in volume and size and how to prepare for that. So that was good. That made me feel confident. So basically last day of uh, uh, call for talks, I wrote down my two abstracts, sent it off to expect never to hear back from them ever again, but it worked out. That's the way to do it. Submit it and just be like, okay, that was the real challenge. If they accept it, okay, but they're not going to. Don't worry. And then when you get accepted, it's a whole new challenge. But see, that sounds that's where so... my subtle genius comes in. As I just didn't get accepted because my talks were bad, and then oh, wow. here I am. I can say, oh, I tried, but I don't actually have to talk. Hey, but you did the hard part. You know, submitting can sometimes be very challenging. So next year you can submit again, and bada bingo. That's definitely something I'm going to do. I'm going to try and come up with new talks for next year because it was just an unbelievable experience yeah you didn't just come in with one talk you did two talks so So, yes it's mandatory to um, have at least two talks because otherwise it wouldn't be viable for the uh, for the organization team just to get so many people in just to speak so yeah i did two talks because that was the mandatory minimum i handed that in and both were accepted Nice. All right. So is it one where you have to submit multiple, but they only necessarily take one? Or is it that you have to have two accepted before they let you in? No. So the advice is you have to, you should submit three or more because okay. they take at least two. Okay. Uh, yeah. So two is a bare minimum you have to speak on at the actual conference. Now, I love that mentorship program because it echoes a lot of the same things we've heard on the podcast where like having someone to tell you that like, hey, it's going to be okay, or to sanity check your thoughts and say, hey, no, that's not a terribly dumb idea. That'd actually be helpful. Having someone to be there for you and encourage you is so helpful. So who were some of those mentors that you worked with? So that was Rob Sewell, um, Babs, and Gail. Uh, They they were helpful. Uh, So I had a few few talks with Gail, Gail. He told me how to go through everything. If I had any questions about the talks, he would answer them straight away. It was great. It was a good experience. Yeah, that sounds super useful because those are pretty successful people and just great people all around. And getting the opportunity to just spend time with them and interact with them and learn from them, I think outside of any kind of doing a talk thing would be a very valuable experience, let alone pairing it with your growth and pushing out and doing a talk for the first time. And that is so cool. I'd, I bet this has been a whirlwind for you, you know, kind of one exciting thing after the other. Yes, it's it was amazing. It's been a tough six months. I often question myself, am I good enough? Are my talks good enough? Is it relevant for the community? Um, so I was questioning myself and I was at some point thinking of calling it off because it was just too scared basically because god it's intimidating being on the podium on stage talking to the people um and trying to be relevant right yeah the is is it relevant is the one i struggle with the most because i tend to once i learn something 
in my mind, since I know it, everybody then knows it. So it's hard for me to find something where I can say, I bet a lot of people can learn from this because once I learn it, then it's just like, well, everyone knows this. Yep. Yep. But I really appreciate your vulnerability in saying you thought about calling it off because I've, I've been in that same boat and I bet other people are. And I think it's, it's great to hear that others are struggling in a similar way and overcoming it and coming out the other side. And, you know, how do you feel now that you've given the talk and given both talks? Oh, I feel absolutely amazing. Uh, it was a thrill. It was, uh, it was pure joy afterwards. Um, after my second talk, I did actually, everything came off. I was tired, all the work for the last six months, but it was really good. And uh, shout out to everyone who supported me because I just had so much support from the community. So many people at the conference give me tips how to get through it on stage. Um, being that Ben, uh, Grazi, uh, Pierre Romain, they all were very helpful. Wow. That's one of my favorite parts about events like that is all the people that you've been reading their work online for so long and then they're just there. You can you can have a conversation over a beer. That's it's always makes for that's the that's the experiences that are my favorite from any sort of uh, PowerShell convention. Yeah. How was the beer, by the way? Oh, the beer was great. I mean, if you're in Prague, land of the Pilsner, great beer. Nice. Lots of beer as well. But not till after my talks. <laughs> Probably was. <laughs> so was last year your first year at PSCon for you? 2019. So in Hanover was my first one. Uh, 2020, unfortunately, was called off. Right. That was the, um, they had an online, uh, online conference, which was good, but not the same. And then last year, Vienna. Nice. So you've been years in the making for this talk, kind of warming up to it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was nice. Great. I mean, I, I since I went there the first time, 2019, I, I have been thinking of submitting something, but I didn't know right. how to start off, um, how to write an abstract. So this time I did have the opportunity. I know what's relevant. I had the support I needed. And uh, also in the preparation, I had tons of support from the community. I had uh, people I could go to. I could pitch ideas. I went through my talks beforehand. They would give me tips. Uh, so that was good. So one thing I'm curious of when you're picking the your talks or summit, do you pick things that you're already familiar with or you've done at work, or do you choose something like I think this is interesting, I'd love to learn it, and you use prep for a talk as a chance to learn it? Uh, a sort of bit of both. So the both the talks I already knew by heart the stuff I was talking about, but then actually submitting a talk, I really noticed that I didn't have to get knees deep into this technology, uh, so I can be able to answer all the questions. So basically, before I was just using it, and then I went deep into detail in preparation. I don't know if Andrew's okay with me spoiling it, but one of his talks, he didn't. He's like, "This is interesting," and so he submitted the talk. He didn't know anything about it. I, I was I was impressed with that. It was a great talk, though. Oh, yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to learn something new for the people, but. Question about the other talks there, because I know that while you did your own talks, it sounds like you attended a bunch as well, because this is like a one-week event, right? So what were some of your favorite uh, takeaways? What were my favorite takeaways? Oh, God, that's a good question. Which one? Which ones do I like? Uh, Pierre Romain did one about uh, using Copilot, which was interesting, mm-hmm. uh, teasing about what's coming next in the closed beta. I currently 
what function will come to VS Code in, in the future. That was quite interesting. Um, what else did I look at? I watched uh, um, ooh, a good talk about uh, assembly conflicts when loading assemblies. That was a good one from Andy from the PowerShell team. That was a good one. Um, of course, the pastor talks are always interesting. Yeah, always, always good to get new stuff, new knowledge of our pasta. Uh, then, of course, the standard state of the shell and all that information, good information. Yeah. But what did to you, be honest, oh, sorry. At the state of the shell, what's your impression of things? Like what's happening? What's what's popping in the PowerShell world? I think uh, PowerShell is going in the right direction. Uh, the focus on cross-platform the last couple of years has been great. Um, I think uh, the new developments with PowerShell Get or PowerShell P refer uh, resource, resource Get, I think. Get, I think it's called yeah. now. They just renamed it. Um, I think that's going to be exciting. I'm waiting for that desperately for production. Um, yeah, so everything's going in the right direction. I think we got to have. I think the PowerShell community and PowerShell is going to thrive in the next coming years. Nice. Any chance I get uh, to say this? A billion sessions a month. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it so many times now, Jordan. Is it? Have you heard it enough? Never yeah. enough. PowerShell's popping. You know, I'm not impressed. You you get back to me when it's two billion sessions Ooh. a month. Dang. So on the topic of talks, I know you mentioned you gave two. What were your talks about? Yeah, so I had two talks. Uh, my first talk I held uh, was about developing in Windows Docker containers. So um, basically, I do a lot of coding. Um, against uh, Windows servers and deployments against Windows servers. And I needed a way to have a clean environment to code in. Used to do that on the VMs. And I basically had one project where I could use VS Code dev containers because it was cross-platform and they are Linux only. And I thought the experience coding in the dev container was so great that I wanted to have the same experience in Windows container. Um, so I built a Windows container to develop in uh, at work. And I thought, yeah. That's something I could speak about. People might be interested in how to develop in Windows containers and get all the benefits from container development. I want to learn more. So question for people who aren't too familiar with Docker, what is Docker before we get too deep? Docker basically in comparison to a virtual environment is just, it's a virtual, so it doesn't virtualize a hardware like as a VM where you install a whole operating system on your VM. It's basically, it virtualizes your operating system and you only have to deploy your applications and your frameworks into your container. Um, that makes the footprint a, lot, uh, footprint a lot smaller. The containers build faster, start quicker, use less RAM. Um, so overall, it's just a quicker and faster experience and it gets you up and developing a lot quicker. Cool. So it sounds like VMs were kind of used for that for a while. There's a whole lot of complications that go to it. And now for a lot of use cases, people have moved to a container approach. And Docker is one of the ways to take advantage of that. Exactly. Cool. And I think your description of how you use it is probably the main use, which is where you're using it for testing, loading your custom applications and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And developing it. So I use yeah. it as my main developing environment nowadays. And it just gives you so much more, many more benefits towards uh, using VMs. Right. And I think I see it a lot in GitHub projects. And one of the benefits of having it um, 
on a GitHub project is you can make sure that everyone that contributes is using the same environment, right? You don't need to tell them how to configure their VM. They can run the Docker file and kind of get set up with yeah. what they need to have the same environment you do. Yeah. So using GitHub code space is a great way to go. Uh, unfortunately, they are just Linux only. So if you want to be developing in Windows, you have to go down the routes I described in my talk, building your own Windows Docker container, pre-installing VS Code Server, your extensions, and all that good stuff. Nice. Looking forward to that one. And I think it's worth noting, Docker is sort of free, but also recently they changed to where like, if you're a big organization, you have to pay. Yes, exactly. So currently, Docker Desktop is free if your organization has either less than 250 uh, employees or you have a yearly turnover of, I think it's 10 million a year. Mm. So for small organizations, it's still free. Yeah. And also home computer, totally free. Unless you have a huge side business. (laughs) Okay, so that's one talk. That's awesome. People, if you aren't using Docker, check it out. It's a pretty cool technology. You've probably heard it mentioned a bunch because it's useful and people have really adopted it. So what about your other talk? So my other talk was on Chocolatey, uh, using Chocolatey in offline deployments. Um, so this is something I will use in work, um, deploying Chocolatey package onto an offline target, um, not knowing if it's got, they've got no, any internet connectivity. So I'm assuming you've got no repository, no NuGet repository where you've got your Chocolatey uh, packages. So I went through the process of installing Chocolatey on an offline targets, uh, creating your own packages with uh, the binaries to deploy on an offline target. And then I went through um, ways to add parameter validation. Um, so your users, your colleagues don't make as many typos when passing in parameters. And I went through a way how to add um, interactive debugging to your package so you can debug any package on any target. Now, was that more of a like inspired from work you did thing, or this was inspired through my day-to-day job? Yeah. This is something I use frequently, and yeah. So, uh, been talking to James from Chocolatey about it, and uh, Manfred from Boxstarter, and we're thinking of taking that one part of the uh, the debugging part from my talk and putting it into a um, an own Chocolatey extension, so everyone can benefit from it. And that's what it's all about, right? From the talks of like, hey, you solve the problem at work. Like you do a job, right? And you, you do things. And it's likely that other people out there have similar problems that they're dealing with and seeing how you approach it and the solution you come up with is helpful to the point where now it sounds like your work is going to be repurposed outside of even the talk, which is just what we love to see. We're trying to be efficient out here and, and you're saving us all time. You're helping us yeah. out, man. Really appreciate it. That was my intention. So basically, when I thought of what talks could I submit, I thought, is it something that is relevant? Is it something that hasn't been talked about yet? So that was my key focus. Did you have a chance to check out the lightning talks at all? Yes, I did. Um, So this time, the lightning talks were like four tracks or three tracks para. Really? So you couldn't check out all the lightning talks, unfortunately. So... um, I went to one track where I saw a couple of lightning talks. That was interesting. Uh, who talked? Let me think about um, Yeah, Christian talked at one of the lightning talks I went to. 
uh, about Christian Ritter, uh, yeah, exactly about performance. Um, Grazzi was there and talked about uh, the compare uh, object uh, commandlet, which was also quite good. Just giving show insight how she uses it in the company to uh, to make reports. Nice. Yeah, I like those lightning talks. They are a good chance to do that first kind of talk. I mean, obviously, you didn't do one last year, did you? I didn't do. I was too. I was too. I was too scared. Right. So you just went straight to the deep end. I went straight into the deep end and didn't regret it. Yeah. All. You did it. Congrats. I, I I bet you're really proud of yourself. I'm proud of you. And I just met you. <laughs> yeah. As you can see, I'm still smiling. I'm yeah. still on I'm still on the post uh, talk high. <laughs> That's why we wanted to get you sooner than later. Cause I, I know that after I have like one of those big exciting moments, sometimes I'm like, okay, this weekend I'm just gonna like lay down and relax. I talked too much last week. I think that's uh, it's common. I think for most people, after a convention, the week after is they set new record for. I set a new personal best for naps. I just assume others do as well. Sometimes, I mean, because usually during the week you're having a couple beers, so it's like you need like a little cleanse over the weekend. Yeah. So I, after the second talk, it just like fell off, and I was just like shattered and tired and happy and high and it was a great experience it was all worthwhile um yeah nice and what days did you give these talks like how many days did you have after your second talk to uh, next so the power conference is from monday to thursday and i had my talks on tuesday and wednesday so my wednesday talk was in the morning so there weren't that many there because uh, tuesday evening is a community event so a lot of late awakenings that day. Nice. Yeah. Now, if you had a message for someone else in your shoes, it's like, ah, you know, they're doing PowerShell. They're do they have a job, right, in the space, um, but they're not talking. They want to sort of like they entertain the idea, but then they pull it back um, because of you know doubt and stuff like that. What would you say to them, people in that position? First of all, just go for it. It's worth it. Um, secondly, I would say when it comes to the PS Conf. Um, there's going to be this autumn, there's going to be another mentorship program again because it works successfully. Go there, get the information. Just because you go there doesn't mean you have to submit anything, doesn't mean you have to talk. It just means get the information, get an idea what it's all about. Um, and the third is, is uh, reach out to your community, your friends, your colleagues, talk to them, pitch ideas. They will help you anytime. Just reach out, say, I've got this talk. Can I demo it to you? And they'll give you, hopefully, they'll give you honest feedback. And they will. Yeah, definitely sign up for that. What's, what's the worst that can happen? You know, you just get some support, have a great time. I think it's really cool that they do that program, too. It's also something comforting of being in one of the most supporting, supportive communities I've ever been in. Everyone is so supportive of you taking the next step. It makes it a little bit easier when. It's like a community step almost. Yeah. I mean, the great thing is, okay, I haven't been to many other uh, conferences, so I don't know how Summit is, but PSConf is like coming home to a family. Yeah. Uh, there's no barrier between speakers and attendees. Everyone's friends. Everyone talks. Everyone has a great time. Lots of hugs. Everyone's sad when they have to go back home and can't wait to get back next year. How would you rate your experience on a scale of 1 to 10? 12. 12. 
Dang, that good. Skills broken. <laughs> Can you share any uh, memorable feedback or interactions you had after your talks? Any connections? Any people come up and say, "Hey, I use that." Um, I had I had amazing feedback. Strangers who I haven't talked to before went, went up, came up to me and said, oh, "That was great. I want to try it." When your slides and demo code going to be up on the GitHub repo, I would like to try it, um, especially with the Docker Docker issue. Or when Manfred came up and said, "Oh, that was great. That gave me the idea. Why don't we do a, a extension for Chocolatey? Also great." And basically, I think the thing I'm going to remember most is for my well, for me, Twitter blew up with all those comments. People posting pictures saying, oh, just watched a great talk about Chocolatey or Docker. And that's, uh, yeah, that was thrilling. Well, it looks like you got your talks up in your own personal GitHub three days ago. So this is, I mean, it makes sense. Some of just, or uh, not some, I keep on PS Conf, you just ended. Yeah. I just wanted to get them up there as quickly as possible. Help people out. Yeah. Love that. Now, I kind of want to get to know you better. I kind of want to hear what you do. I kind of want to hear about your job and your experience with PowerShell. I know you, PowerShell Conference EU, I think 2019, you said was your first year, but yeah. what's your entry point in this kind of community been looking like? Uh, so I've been using PowerShell since probably about 2008. So we're still PowerShell version one. Um, that was the first company I worked for. And I just... We had a web portal to install, and it was a cumbersome task. It took two days to install and get it running. So then I just dabbled around with VB Script and PowerShell to see how if I can automate it. And uh, PowerShell was the solution. So over the years, I started automating things, got the installation down from two days down to five minutes. And that was my start. And I fell in love, never stopped it. And now you work in a situation where you're developing in Docker. Yeah, it's great. So uh, the company I work for, um, it, we, we, we have uh, an on-prem solution for our customers. And so we all deploy that into Windows environments. And uh, basically my job is to maintain and write all the scripting and all the automation to get our product to our customer using PowerShell and Oct Octopus Deploy. So, nice. Yeah. So those are the two things I'm mostly involved is in is Octopus Deploy and PowerShell. Nice. Yeah, I remember hearing about Octopus Deploy quite a while ago. Good to know they're still doing their thing. But so you you were you experienced with programming languages before PowerShell or was it kind of the first excuse? No, so I've got a background of click ops. So basically, I used to be just a normal internal admin doing everything over, over via GUIs, you know the way most of us or lots of us started. Um, I did dabble around with a bit with C-sharp, but never really you know, on a professional basis. So it's always been PowerShell. Tried out, tried out a bit of Python. VB script, great, great language. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Wait, so PowerShell always has been my main focus. Is VB script really good or is that a joke? <laughs> Definitely a joke. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> I, I feel like that's been a long-running joke from... Yes, you is someone once said they thought VB script was better and oh, it's become right. a, a running theme. Or yeah, so I've got a T-shirt where it says VB script is better than PowerShell. Yeah, 
gosh. When you say that, like my mind, I just see flash ups <laughs> of like the code and how ugly it looks and like all the spacings. And I think for some reason, some words are in all caps. Yeah. So what I'm, what I'm not clear on is if whoever said that was joking or if it is someone that didn't understand his audience. No, that can only can be a joke. No, I thought <laughs> a possibility. No, I didn't know. I was like, I, I just, I figured it was a joke, but I just wanted to make sure because he didn't like wink at me or anything. And you never know. Some people might have like some kind of really positive experiences. All, all two of those people. But uh, now we got Jordan here. We got you. I gotta know: Are you a customize kind of guy? Are you customizing your console, VS Code, making it look and feel amazing for you, or are you a defaults kind of guy? In between. I do customize a little, use all my posh and whatever. Uh, but I try not to customize too much because I try to develop in different environments and it's just too much work, always deploying profiles, all my posh, and on and on. So I try to stay with the defaults. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for Andrew trying to bring you into what is our to date only heated argument. <laughs> I don't customize anything. I run pure defaults and it drives me nuts. I told him this. He didn't believe me. And then he saw my actual session and was so outraged at the very idea. He's never let it go. No, so I do actually lead more towards defaults. Oh. I'm, I'm definitely oh my posh, on Come on. Oh, my posh is like, <laughs> you're kind of into it a little bit. You've read a blog post or two. Okay. That's not too bad. I mean, in VS Code, you got some extensions at least, right? You got a couple? I've got dozens. <laughs> there we go. Not just that. In your repo, you have your entire Windows terminal customization. Whoa. Just posted right up there. Yeah, it's not that much. Hey, compared to what Jordan's got going on, it is <laughs> a treasure trove of fun. And Are you normally a VS Code developer type guy? Yeah, definitely. Oh. Great tool, love it. Uh, works. I I use remote uh, the remote extension extensively, so that's how I develop. I try not to develop on my own box, but basically right. in containers or VMs. Okay, I, let's talk about that just a little bit more because I think that's often underutilized. A lot of people are using VS Code. I think an even larger majority of the PowerShell world that's using VS Code isn't really tapped into using it to the next level and, and using it like maybe other developers would. So you're talking about using uh, an extension. I think it's from VS Code Microsoft, where yeah. you can, through different methods, connect to a remote machine. You're still typing in your VS Code instance, but the PowerShell is running on a different machine in the session kind of deal. Exactly. So basically, uh, all the UI extensions get loaded, and I can keep that. So I've got my themes, uh, I've got my my fonts, um, everything I'm used to yeah. on my local machine. So I am local. I can copy and paste locally. But the VS Code server is running on a remote device, either Docker or a VM, and everything gets executed on that machine. And it all uses the same extension, right? The remote development extension pack has remote SSH, dev containers, and Windows subsystem for Linux. So exactly. I guess it's just the difference between dev containers and remote SSH, right? Yes. So basically, when I uh, remote into a VM, I use SSH. If I remote into a dev container, a Windows dev container, it's also SSH because the dev container is, as I said, Linux only. Right. 
Yeah, I think that if you look for an extension for something, it probably exists. It feels like there are so many extensions. Like, even compared to browser extensions, I'm like, I'm shocked at how many different plugins people have written. But I guess it's pretty cool because people like Chrissy and I think Justin Grody have written their own extensions. I think Chrissy Lemaire's written an extension. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, it seems pretty approachable to even develop your own. I think it's TypeScript, maybe? It's TypeScript, yeah. Um, I try to, but I failed. Yeah. Well, step one is to try and fail. Maybe you know, a couple of years later, it's a little easier. Some of the bugs are worked out and you're ready and attempt to. Yeah, but there are quite some really good and amazing and functional extensions out there, which I like to use. So, yeah. Now, on the topic of getting to know you a little bit more, we heard about your entry to PowerShell. I see there's a skateboard behind you. Can we get some background? What's up? You a skater? I, I was, basically. I'm in my mid-40s now, so the time of skateboarding is over. Uh, but yeah, when I was a teenager and in my 20s, I liked skateboarding. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I skated a little bit. Not much. I wasn't very good or anything. Just enjoyed the kind of coasting part. Yeah. It was great fun. Kept breaking legs and arms. But yeah. Oh, so, shoot. That's, oh, that's that part hurts. of it. Yeah. Even just getting hit in the shins really hard a couple times would be enough for me to be like, ow, I'm good. Yeah. Jordan, you like beer, right? I, I love beer. You like PowerShell, right? Indeed, I do love PowerShell. What if we put PowerShell in your beer? Would that be something wild? Would you want to hear about that? Well, I, I think more like is is part of the brewing process. Well, maybe? I mean, that doesn't sound quite as nice, but <laughs> I think we have a, the person that I think is the foremost expert in PowerShell brewery. I, I'm willing to say there's no one else who has tweeted out about their PowerShell usage in the brew process. Hmm, I bet there is, unfortunately. But have they been on our podcast? That's a different question. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is, all right, now that we've gotten real awkward with it. <laughs> so it, it seems to be, I look looking through it, because uh, first of all, your Twitter handle is Lindner Brewery. So I think you take the brewing pretty serious. Yeah, so the story about that is uh, the house we've got in Germany uh, is a house which was built in the 1930s. And at the back of the house, we've got this uh, soda factory or a former soda factory. So in the 1930s, 40s, they used to make uh, soda and pop in, in this building. And we still got a big sign saying Lindner, who was the former owner. So it used to be Lindner Drinks Company. Uh, we got this house off. And in this drinks factory, or the former drinks factory, uh, I built up my home brewery. So, and then one came to the other and I called myself Lintner Brewery on Twitter because I didn't know what to call myself. So where in this process does this PowerShell enter? Like what do you use PowerShell for with when you're brewing? Um, so basically my brewing vessel is an all-in-one electric brewing vessel. And um, I got from this one man Italian company, I got this uh, PID controller to control the brew process and uh, the controller speaks MQTT. And mm -hmm. uh, because I was fed up with the interface, I basically just uh, wrote a PowerShell module using MQTT uh, to control my brew controller. So now I'm in my office on PowerShell and then I 
can tap in a console, find out what temperature my match temperature is, how long to go, and just chill. Nice. That's the way to brew. Just chill. Yeah, that's why I brew, because it's just very relaxing. It's not hectic. It's not stressful. It's like the most stress you have is, oh, God, in 10 minutes I have to do something. It's really relaxed. It gives you six hours peace of mind. Hmm. No job, no work, nothing. I guess, I don't know. It, it seems to me the reason I'd brew would be for, for the beer. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm weird like that. What is, in your opinion, the best beer you have made in all of your batches so far? Good question. So I've got my go-to best bitter, which I like always do. Super simple, works every time. But my best was probably uh, an IPI I submitted into a contest and got quite good marks for it. So, yeah. All right. So I got a question about your house. So did you, I mean, first of all, it sounds awesome. You have a former factory and now a current best PowerShell brewery that's out there in your own home. But did you buy the home expecting to like do a brewery or was it just like opportunity? It's like, oh, hey, this would be a good fit. Yeah, it was just, we saw the house. We needed the house. The size was okay. We could afford it. And then we bought it and we had all this room because we got this back building. And I mean, it's not a factory, huge factory. It's a small building. And then it was like, what can we do with it? And I said, oh, that's mine. <laughs> nice. Well, maybe if we come to PS Comfy U next year, we can um, have a beer with you somehow, even if it's not yours. Oh, definitely. Maybe I can just brew it. If, if it's in driving distance, I can brew a keg and bring it along. Brew a keg. That's a PowerShell party. There you go. So have you ever, and this is, I'm going off track like I tend to do, especially when it comes to food or drink. Have you ever done a, a Doppelbach? That's my, that's my favorite type of beer. And I'm just curious if the process is different based, I mean, it's going to be a little bit different for an IPA versus a Doppelbach or a, a Pilsner. Uh, so uh, a Doppelbach is basically uh, a lager beer, just like a, a, a low fermenting low temperature fermenting lager beer, like a lager beer, it's just you can use a hell of a 10 lot more malt, so you just get a stronger. Um, that's about the main difference. Double box are often dark beers, so you use dark malt. Uh, but the brewing process is basically the same as with a Pilsner. Okay. Um, yeah. And you probably brew it in areas where you've got more lime scale in your water. And okay. Yeah. Also, the, the water type, so... Do you use extra filter? Because you mentioned like lime scale in the water. So the local water can impact it that much. Do you use filter water or does the, I guess the I, I, charm, I guess for lack of a better word, that the local water add, is that valuable or how do you approach that? No, I filter uh, uh, my tap water to brew with. And then I, uh, when I've been so filtered, then I put all the minerals back in, depending on the style of beer I'm brewing. Okay, so you you customize your watermelon. That's I didn't realize this was such a process. I mean, I guess it makes sense. There wouldn't be so much variety without it. But now, now you've got me going on, on a new topic here, Andrew. No, it's always good to cover. I personally like getting to know people in the community. And from what I've heard, you know, you were recommended to us by multiple people um, who were, I guess, just flattered by you blown back by your authenticity and just you as a person and getting to know you, I think is there's probably a lot of people out here who are, who are enjoying it. So Jordan, thanks for letting us see behind the curtain. Well, I didn't, but our guest did. 
our guest's a professional. Have you been on a podcast before? He just coughed and muted his mic and brought it up. I mean, good gracious. This guy's a pro now. Well, now that you called it out, now everyone knows. So that was, that was nice of you. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking it back. I don't even do that half the time. So I was, I mean, I, I like to dig through people's reposts when they're a guest just because I'm a creep like that. I saw one that was in there for import certificate where you follow the certificate chains for URLs. Is that one that you built for a specific purpose or is that just something you've been having fun with? Uh, I built it for my specific, uh, specific, uh, specific usage case. Uh, so basically uh, when I pull up a new machine in the company, it's missing all the company certificates and I can just like uh, go, go out to one internal URL, pull down the certificate chain and import it into the device being uh, a Linux container, VM or whatever, and then just get installed so I can get my environment up and running. And uh, yeah, so I just published that. Uh, I have quite a few modules I should publish, to be honest, but never got around to it because I've always got the feeling that it's they're not ready for general usage. But on the other hand, my experience now is who cares? Just publish it. Someone else might want to continue my work, um, find a use use case for it, and then that's fine. Yeah, it seems worst case scenario, it's used. Best case, someone either open up issues so you can start tracking things you might not have thought about, or they yeah. add to it and it becomes just a, a better product through collaboration. Yeah. yeah. So basically, I haven't been contributing to the community a lot in the last years because... I just felt insecure that the quality of my product isn't good enough. Um, that was uh, the reason I never submitted the talk because I thought I wasn't good enough for the audience. Um, but this conf just showed me, yes, I am. And lots of other people are as well. So just be confident. Just just do it. That's You're not alone in that feeling uh, for the summit we went to here in, in Seattle, the most common feedback I got was I should stop being so negative about myself. So apparently you're not alone in, in, in feeling a certain way. I'm just very vocal ab- about my perceived failure. So it's nice to know that, I don't know if you're feeling that way, just know that I guess a lot of people can be felt that way. And yeah. that's not the case. Contribute where you can. You'll feel better in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember who said it on the PS conf, but it was said, don't expect to know everything. You can't. It's it's we're just not able. Just do what you can do, and if you think you can contribute, just do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yep. And collectively, if we all do a little, it can turn into a lot. You know, a, a thing that comes to mind is uh, DBA tools. That is a an effort from multiple people that creates this beautiful, amazing thing. Obviously, those people put a lot of a ton of work into it, but it, it just points to the fact that we are a community right? Your talk was delivered by you, but supported by the community. And it sounds like over the years, like there are a little kind of you working up towards giving a talk eventually. And um, by you giving a talk and right now talking about your experience, you're helping those other people who are in your shoes, but a couple of years behind to kind of start breaking down the barriers, preventing them from contributing more. Um, and it's, I don't know, the, the times I do worse and contribute the least are when I feel not part of a community and just like this isolated person at my job, oh, these problems are just mine, you know, but whenever we get that connection, I feel like 
everything gets a little bit easier. Plus, when you combine it with how friendly and kind the PowerShell community is, it just leads to a good experience. I kind of want to ask another question about PowerShell because um, I know you use it for brewery stuff, but are there any other non-techie IT stuff that you use PowerShell for? No, not really. That's fair. Uh, no, it's, it's just a brewery. Yeah, I, I think use... the closest I came to that was uh, there was a coffee maker. I was writing some PowerShell to work with. And then the model we were using broke, so we bought the new one. And the new model completely changed their their entire process to connect to it, and everything fell apart. So I missed out, but I almost was brewing my own coffee with uh, with PowerShell. Yeah, that would be great. Invoke a coffee. Yeah. Yep, that's what we're working towards. Yep. Most of my silly PowerShell stuff involves a REST API. Oftentimes, at least. I'm going to revisit that now because when I failed, that was four years ago. I'm better now. Yeah, I, I'm invoke, sure. Invoke, oh, coffee's coming. All right, it's all been fun and games and lighthearted now, but this is where we blindsided you with three of the most difficult questions you've ever had to answer. Live. Uh, yeah, so we like to, to lure people in with a false sense of security of as a friendly chat, and then at the end, we really hit you with the difficult questions. Are you ready for these? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Question one. What is one time something went wrong at the job? Uh, how did you handle it, and what did you learn? So basically, I've messed up at work so often, probably like most of us. Uh, fortunately, they haven't been big issues. So yeah, accidentally pulled the plug on Exchange server, that sort of thing, but never been a really big issue. But basically, um, test, test, test. That's the only thing I can advise. Test as much as you can. It's super valuable and it will help you find issues before they go into production. So I've been very lucky over the last couple of years that I haven't messed up in production. Uh, but only because I was lucky enough to find them when testing, preferably pest to tests. That is, uh, we get the answer occasionally, and it's almost almost people that approach a task methodical with, uh, they almost have like an internal what if process when they beginning to end. Yes, yeah, so I'm guilty as sin when it comes to not writing enough pest to tests. So this is actually uh, something I've only been getting into the last two years saying, if I write a module, I need pest to test for each function. But in the past, oh, just too much work, testing's too, too much of a deal, like most of us, but I, I had to learn it the hard way. Yeah, pesterous one, I think everyone agrees should be used more, but it's not, it's not easy, I guess, just to default to it when you're in the middle of writing. Yeah, I, th I think PESTA is, if you come from an operations background, not from a developing background, the concept of writing tests for its function is, is not your second nature. So if you come from an operations background, start writing uh, PowerShell, I think PESTA can be overwhelming to begin with. Uh, and I think that's an issue. Uh, but when you get started and feel comfortable, um, it's a good tool. Yeah, it, it was one for me that felt the most alien when it's feeling comfortable, just because it's you, you're supplying the expected result. So it's not really running anything. It's just like it should have this result or it just the entire process was uh, 
took me a while to wrap my head around. And I think I'm still, still struggle with it. I still struggle when considering what shall I test and how shall I test as a unit test, as a functional test, whatever. I, I'm struggling, but I'm, I'm getting better. I'm trying. You know, you know, next, Jordan, we haven't had an official pester episode. We've talked about it a few times, but I might have something in store for us next week. All right. Well, hopefully we have test in place for uh, our episode. We're ready to go. <laughs> See what it did there. I'm hilarious. <laughs> a second question. No more fun and games. This is serious business. With everything you know now, what's one tip you'd give your younger self when you're first starting in IT? Don't be afraid and automate. Start off as early as you can with automation because that's the way to go and uh, is the way to go in the future. Uh, automation is the answer for yeah. just about everything. Stop using UIs. <laughs> All right. Last one. This one's this one's a big one. This is where most people. I mean, I know, I know. You think you got it under control? Be ready for the last question. What are your three favorite modules? I didn't think uh, think of that, but it's a difficult one. Um, <laughs> so probably my favorite module is um, a module called Octo Deploy, which is uh, a module to automate uh, Octopus Deploy with. Unfortunately, that's a private module I wrote the last three years. So. Uh, it's not out there yet. I'm, I'm hoping to be able to publish it this year. So uh, maybe other people can look at it and help building it. Um, otherwise, I really like a small module called Configuration from Jacul. Jacul? I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, basically, that's a module which you can use in your module development to save configuration. And you don't have to think about the form or the syntax. It will just take care of that. You're just giving some parameters, say export configuration, and when you load your module, you say import configuration, it just works. And the third one, I really like PS Depend. It's made my life easier when building modules. Not a good one. From Rambling Cookie Monster, I think it is. I'm not sure. Warren Frame, yeah. That helps you manage on projects so it's it's been a while for us this is the first time sometime we've uh these are three brand new unique modules we haven't heard before after going on a year this is this is a uh, new territory okay then i can i can i change my modules and i'll say import excel pesta on... <laughs> oh. uh, no, <laughs> import excel is I think that one might be in the lead at this point. That is a widely used module. But maybe I think Emerson is saying if you say that, it's a cop out. You need to dig <laughs> deeper in your module collection and find a better answer next time. I guess only the hardcore listeners will kind of listen to enough episodes to see this. But look for the reaction on Jordan and I's face if someone drops an import Excel. I'm I'm genuinely thrilled because I'm a big fan. Me too. Yeah, I use it a lot. It's good. Oh yeah, it's great. But sometimes people want to go in their bag of tricks and whip out something new we haven't seen before. So, All right, well, I, I I'm sorry that we had to get so combative there. I know that process is difficult, but hopefully we're we're still friends. That was, uh... right. but after all that, all the stress of that, I mean, we always like to end on a note, and uh, everyone likes to meet celebrities. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but you've actually been on camera with a celebrity. 
because uh, Andrew, he is the world's foremost authority on how to shill a product. He, he, he shills so well that actually, and people don't know this, uh, before Microsoft was even a full company, they contacted Andrew and asked him for, uh, hey, how can we, how can we show our product? And uh, that is 93% of the reason of Microsoft's success to this day. Uh, but, but now we get the advantage of it just front row seat to watch him spin his magic for, for shilling a podcast. Take away, Andrew. Jordan, you get front row seats, and I'll be honest. I might have front row seats too, because I'm just looking at myself right now on the camera. Um, <laughs> you said that this is going to end on a note. It's definitely going to be a note. I don't know if it's a high note, but it's a note for sure. So thank you, everyone, for listening to another amazing episode. Thank you, for Emrys, for joining us. Give us a like, comment, and a subscribe, because I'm looking at the camera this time. So big improvements over here. You can email us, powershell at pdq.com. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. I'm at Andrew Plutek. You can follow us at PowerShell Pod. He's DevOps Jordan. Emrys, where can we find you? Where can we keep up with you? I think that a lot of people are going to really connect with what you've said today and are looking forward to seeing your continued contributions and tap in with you. Yeah, so you can find me under uh, Lindner Brewery on Twitter. and uh, That's also my GitHub handle. Awesome. And we will have links to all of the great stuff that we've talked about in the show notes, including a link directly to your GitHub and Twitter. Yeah, and, that, and that's why he's the world's best right there. I'm the world's. The world's. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully this uh, people listening, they, they feel like they're on a similar journey and this helps them take the next step like you, like you did. Thanks for joining the PowerShell podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. The only device of its kind in the world. The PowerShell podcast is a production of PDQ.com. <laughs>